0: Sondheim on Adderall, it's always when you think at last you're through And then, Sondheim on Adderall, we go again to do a bonus episode Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen Thank you for listening to Season 1 of Sondheim on Adderall Today, we're doing a bonus episode And thank you for tuning in, what we're gonna do today Let me explain Um, Now, we covered 10 Sondheim shows over the course of Season 1 The ten shows that Chris likes enough to talk about or has enough to say about uh, for an hour or plus. We didn't talk about some of them. What we're going to talk about today is all of the miscellaneous Sondheim shows that are not um, beginning and middle and end musicals with full scores written specifically for the show. These are going to be the Sondheim concerts, or worse still... Sondheim celebrations. (laughs) Um, I've alluded to this a few times, I've been involved in two of these. The two main ones really that we're gonna talk about today are Side by Side by Sondheim and Putting It Together. I was in a production of Side by Side by Sondheim about five years ago and I was in Putting It Together, let's call it nine years ago. So I know uh, a lot about these uh, from personal experience in putting it together, I played a character called Man Two, and in Side by Side by Sondheim, I played a character called Man, moving up in the world. So, um, if you're not, if you don't know what I'm talking about, and why should you? This is not anything you need to necessarily know. Um, Sondheim songs are loved the world over because they elevate musical theater to uh an art form more than any uh musical theater previous or since has uh, been able to do and when you're that good at writing musicals sometimes people will say uh let's just take all of these really great songs uh cherry pick them from these shows and make a show made up of all of these songs Uh, put them all out of context in a little uh, concert or a little uh, pseudo-jukebox musical, and our season ticket holders will enjoy that. Now, this idea is met with varying levels of failure. Um, one of these, for instance, Side by Side by Sondheim, you know, the, the songs out of context don't work. I mean, that's, that's my main argument here, is that Our boy Sondheim goes to great lengths to firmly place these songs in the context of the shows they're written for. Um, It's almost like he goes out of his way to do it. And um, one thing that's indicative of this is early on when he was in his lyrics-only phase of his career after he did West Side Story and then he was working on Gypsy with Julie Stein. He came up with the lyric in Small World, uh, Funny, you're a man who likes children. That's an important sign. Funny, I'm a woman with children. Small world, isn't it? Uh, Julie Stein, the composer, said, Don't write that. That means a man can't sing it. Now, he's not concerned about Gypsy, the show, starring Ethel Merman, who's singing that song, who is not a man. He's concerned about selling the song later on to Sammy Davis, goddamn Jr., or whoever, whomever is gonna sing that song, uh, and Sondheim talked him out of it, saying, "No, nah, sometimes you gotta have a show, you know, some songs that uh, are only meant for the uh, the show that they're in, and um, that's why it's you know it's tricky, it's 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 a hard task taking Sondheim's songs and making removing them from their context uh, because he's got a lot of... Uh... Hello, George, <laughs> where did you go, George? Hey, Bobby.' <laughs> he he." Um... He makes it so uh, you can't do that, is the point I'm trying to make here. So that's my first gripe with these shows. My second gripe is that um, it perpetuates the season ticket holder culture. <laughs> this is so stupid. I talked about this a little bit a few episodes ago. Um, and I mean, just be as somebody who did these shows, um, and they, they, they were more or less small scale. Side by Side by Sondheim, I did to my... Uh, surprise like my picture made it into the la times for that show and i my my name was in bold with a picture of me with my hair slicked back looking all weird and so i mean to the extent that la theater means anything that one made a little bit more of a splash but you end up seeing your audience and it does end up being um, the ugly cliche that I spoke of in the past. of uh, the It's the upper middle class uh, cocktail party set. The boomers that live in Santa Monica that watch MSNBC put liberal signs on their lawns and have zero uh, non-white friends and they worry over rising crime. That is, uh, in a nutshell, um, the audience for shows like Side by Side by Sondheim and Putting It Together. Um, prove me wrong. Am I wrong? Maybe I am. And the idea, this whole thing of taking the songs out of context... Like, when I was making that playlist... By the way, if you, if you haven't checked it out, Sondheim on Adderall. Uh, playlist of Sondheim songs... I, I, can I tell you something? I'm tired of saying the word Sondheim. I am looking forward to this break between seasons. Because just saying the word, it's, it's, it's begun to mean nothing. I've said it so many fucking times. So anyway, um, when I was making this playlist, I was thinking... Oh, I could make one of, uh, you know, spotlight songs, you know, songs in a bottle. Or I could make, um, and I could make ones that are just like uh, married to the context. So it's like some of these, for instance, if you're going to play somebody Epiphany from Sweeney Todd, you kind of do need to say, okay, this is a guy whose wife was uh, stolen by uh, the judge and his daughter. Uh, she died and then he they, uh, they got banished to an island and he came back and now he's on a murderous rampage to kill the judge and the beetle. And this is his decision to uh, 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 murder other people uh, before he murders them. And uh, he's soon going to make the decision with Mrs. Lovett to bake their bodies into pies. Uh, you can't go through all that. Who's got the time? And uh, who would read the... Who, nobody wants to read liner notes in 2023 because they don't exist. We just uh, go to Spotify and so on. So uh, I was going to make a, a context playlist and then a spotlight song playlist. And then I decided, fuck it. Because if I made one of only spotlight songs, then I would be just as bad as the people who compile these fucking songtime celebrations. So I didn't do it. By the way, if you're familiar with the terrible musical *Jekyll and Hyde*, which I was also in in 2012 in the leading role, and it was the best, uh, it was the peak uh, of my uh, youth. um, That all the songs in that that show are weirdly uh, vague enough uh, to—they definitely had the selling the songs in in mind when they were like, "This is the moment." (laughs) Like at no point in the song, "This is the moment," which Jekyll sings before he doses himself with the potion that turns him into a murdering uh, mo- or a monster on a rampage. Like, at no point does he say anything that has to do with uh, potions or test tubes or science or uh, anything. It's all just, you know... This is the moment. My final test. Destiny beckoned. I've never reckoned second most. I sang it better than that in 2012, I should tell you that. Um, or maybe I didn't. But my point is... Um, there are people that do that, That's they, they want their songs to be immortal, and so they generalize the living shit out of them, and uh, it usually sucks. So anyway, um, like I said, we're going to be dealing with... Uh, this Is this episode's going to be in three parts. We're going to talk about Side by Side by time, and then we're going to talk about putting it together, and then uh, we're going to talk a bit about a documentary on HBO called Six by Sondheim, which uh, I saw and was very excited about when it came out uh, about a decade ago, and I was very excited to re-watch uh, this past week. There are other Sondheim anthology shows. In fact, there's a much more recent one called Sondheim on Sondheim. See what I mean? I'm getting tired of saying that word. Um, it's It does sound better than the first two. I am not familiar with it. I've never seen it. And I've never listened to the album. I can't imagine never wanting to. Uh, but uh, the way that it's set up sounds better than uh, these two <laughs> that I am going to talk about. So one of these, son- uh, Side by Side by <laughs> Sondheim, uh, is a celebration of Sondheim music. Um, w- w- that There's actually like a presenter that sits on a little stool and actually does sort of narrate it and say... And then he wrote Company, a musical about loneliness in New York City, uh, blah, blah, blah. And then they do a song from it. And so that's actually what puts that a cut above the second one, which is putting it together, which is garbage, which is basically attempting to shoehorn the best of Sondheim into a jukebox musical, uh, or uh, otherwise known as Karaoke Hell. Which I think Sondheim called it that earlier on in this season. Uh, I quoted him as quoting somebody else as saying that. So uh, sorry if I got that wrong. So, yeah. Um, so, I'm going to go backwards, uh, you know, towards the most egregious, and then we're going to talk about that uh, documentary. And what we're going to do uh, is we're going to go song by song. And I think this will allow us to examine exactly how each of these songs lose their power when they're out of context. And it'll give us a chance to revisit some old favorites um, and some that we may not have addressed in the episodes with the shows that they were in. Before we do that, I do want to give a nod to a a few other Sondheim anthology shows and entities and albums that uh, I'm not going to talk about in detail. But I just want to I want to let you know that I know they exist. And uh, talk about them briefly. And I'm sure there are tons of others that I don't know about. uh, And I don't give a flying fuck. There's this thing uh, called Marry Me a Little. Now, this is interesting. This is a little two-person show that was made in the early 80s. And um, it's all of the songs that were cut from Sondheim shows. It's all the uh, trunk songs, so to speak. Songs that were not used, that were cut which is why Marry Me a Little is in there, although Marry Me a Little, as we all know, is now a part of company. They added it back in, in the revival. It was cut from the original, blah, blah, blah. So, uh, a gentleman named Craig Lucas, in 1980, he was in the ensemble of Sweeney Todd on Broadway, and he had this idea that, oh, I'll do a little uh, show of the songs. He asked Sondheim if he could do this. Sondheim said, quote, well, I think it's a terrible idea, but go ahead. Ha <laughs> see th- th- and this time something we're going to learn Sondheim is never on board with doing this doing a celebration or a concert or a jukebox thing' he, he's, he's never fully on board with these and even in finishing the hat like he's kind about it to the people that want to do it because I'm sure it's flattering but uh, he <laughs> he's not he he doesn't he, you could tell he doesn't like it that much So the interesting thing about Marry Me a Little is that um, they had to use the same stage as a play that was already running, because this was a real low-budget situation, and it was a play called Single Room Occupancy. And so for this reason, they wrote it to be about two people in two adjacent apartments living fantasy lives. And the soundtrack to this is actually pretty worth listening to, I would say, because you hear some songs you wouldn't otherwise have an opportunity to hear, um, Happily Ever After, for instance, the um, first draft that turned into Being Alive, the super fucking dark version of Being Alive is on that album, as is Two Fairy Tales, a really pretty duet that was cut from A Little Net Music that was supposed to be sung by Henrik and Anne. And a bunch of other ones I can't uh, think of right now. All Things Bright and Beautiful, that's a nice one. Is that? I don't know. So anyway... Um, The interesting thing is Craig Lucas, if that name sounds familiar, he actually became something of a uh, playwright with notoriety, a prelude to a kiss and a few others. And Sondheim was like frank with him when they were in rehearsals for this. They're like, do you want to write or do you want to be a performer? Because let's talk, you know, let's be honest here. You're a shitty performer, but you're a great writer. And Craig Lucas took that advice and he stopped performing and he became a playwright. So there you go. Another one, 1973, Sondheim, A Musical Tribute. This was a live show. There is a CD of it. Oh, a CD of it. Old, okay, grandpa. You can find this, certainly, somewhere online to listen to. Uh, It was a benefit for the National Hemophilia Foundation. Sondheim agreed because he thought it would be, quote, merely a dinner. But it turned out into this thing with a 32-piece orchestra and 33 performers. And they did it on the set of A Little Night Music because this is 1973. Let's remember that. Um, there there was a couple of funny little stories when they were trying to get this thing together. So Zero Mostel, they tried to get him, but he would only do it if he could do the whole show. He wanted it to be a one-man Sondheim celebration, and they said, fuck off, Zero. Love, Zero Mostel. Carol Lawrence, who played Maria in West Side Story, she said she would only do it if her hairdresser was flown in from L.A. and put up in a first-class hotel. They told her to go stick that up her ass. And then Elizabeth Allen from Do I Hear a Waltz? Uh, She insisted on doing it, and then at the last minute she said she needed to actually take some time in a health spa to prepare for an upcoming role. Nice. But who we do get is uh, Angela Lansbury, Len Carriu, Cheetah Rivera, Glynnis Johns, Larry Kurt, and many others. I just did the uh, cream of the crop there, at least my favorites. They have a whole chapter on this in the Sondheim Sondheim and Company, the Craig Zayden book that we've been using down the line with this first season. And there's a really funny picture in it of the (laughs) finale where they're all crowded around a grand piano that Sondheim is playing. And he is frowning like he is not having a great time. Um, If I was more savvy and uh, more diligent, I would uh, put a link to this in the show notes. But maybe, you know what, Google image Sondheim, a musical tribute, 1973, and look for a picture of a bunch of Broadway stars crowded around a piano and a very grumpy uh, composer and lyricist uh, playing that piano, uh, looking like he's not having a good time. And then, yeah, like I said, Sondheim on Sondheim from 2010, a very recent one, James Lapine, spearheaded this interestingly enough lapine did not have much of a career after his sondheim collaborations and uh i don't know if he just felt like he could uh, dine on that for the rest of his life i mean those uh, sending the park into the woods what else do you need fuck it i mean that's uh you know cream at the top of the line there You flew too close to the sun jesus christ how do you follow those up the idea of Sondheim on Sondheim is that uh, it's a little concert, but it's interspersed with video footage of Sondheim talking and, like, uh, uh, clips of things from the past. And he's kind of narrating, he's telling stories. And Sondheim is a man that loves to be interviewed, man, and tell a story and regale people and teach people. Uh, I mean, that is for sure. There is a lot of content along these lines, which we learned when we watched that HBO documentary. Um... There's also a couple of albums. There's one called Unsung Sondheim, which, again, is uh, songs that were cut or not used or, or from projects that didn't make it. That's a pretty good one. Uh, the highlights from that uh, that old piano roll. I believe that was cut from Follies. Also, uh, there's a great song, um, accidentally great song, uh, called No Marianne. It's from uh, his buddy James Goldman. Did uh, was tried to, He was going to do a film of his play The Thing of It, or maybe his novel The Thing of It. And the whole idea of this was that it was about a composer that wrote a song called No Marianne, and then he wanted to go on vacation and get away from it, but it was like playing everywhere while he was on vacation with his family, and it was annoying to him. And so Sondheim trying to write a song that is annoying and infectious, whoops, accidentally he wrote a song that's actually pretty great, which happens a lot. We talked about it. Uh, With him trying to uh, downplay his talent and let me write, you know, and then everybody's like, oh, good thing going, and then Frank Sinatra sings it. It's hilarious. And then every 10 years of uh, old man Sondheim's life, they would do a birthday concert, and you'd often see it on PBS or whatever the fuck. Uh, 2020, you saw it on YouTube, and that was an enormous bummer, because that was uh, right after the shutdown, and uh, as I talked about before, we had to see old Mandy Patinkin in the middle of a field, looking monstrously depressed, singing lesson number eight. And saying that George looks around and he sees the park and he sees it dying. And we all thought that we were dying of a uh, uh, you know, pandemic. So yeah, those are always weird. It's never a good idea. And then finally, uh, A Collector's time, Which, that the great thing about that, and that's better than any of the ones we're going to talk about, is that it is just a compilation of tracks from original cast recordings. And it'll take you on a nice journey through the career from beginning to end chronologically, and it's even going to throw in the disco version of the Ballad of Sweeney Todd. Check that one out, folks. That one's on YouTube. Ballad of Sweeney Todd, disco version. Attend the tale of Sweeney Todd. Anyway, uh, enough of the fucking preamble. Let's get into it. Uh, Side by Side by Sondheim! So, Side by Side by Sondheim. The year is 1976 and this is the stupid thing so they decided in 1976 to make a show of uh hits of all the songs the best best of the best from sondheim's career fine but why the fuck would anybody buy the rights to this show now why would anybody go see this show? Like, wh- who goes to a show called Side by Side by Sondheim? And then there's an announcement at the beginning, or there should be anyway. I think there is some. I don't know how it works. Uh, that oh, this show was compiled in 1976, so it only has everything you wrote up until then. S- so no, Sweeney Todd, no Sunday in the Park with George, no Into the Woods. That's those are the those are the killers right there, and we're not we don't have them so. It's ridiculous. It's like right before he goes from hit or miss to all killer, no filler. So yeah, at least they don't recontextualize the songs. They don't jukebox them. And there is uh, the the narration uh, before the show at the beginning of the show. And then throughout the show, some slob named David Kernan. Some Brit is in London. He's playing Carl Magnus in the London version of A Little Night Music. And he's bored. He wants to get some side shit going. And so he has this idea, like, let's do a little, you know, a little thing, just with the piano and a couple of my friends, and we'll sing some Sondheim songs. He asks Sondheim for permission. Sondheim's response is, quote, by all means try, but I can't think of anything more boring except possibly the Book of Kells, unquote. Sondheim throwing shade on the Book of Kells. So this David Kernan, he gets uh, Millicent Martin and Julia McKenzie to join him. It's uh, one man, two women. This is the one where I played man, by the way. I was the David Kernan. Uh, And then he gets a a fella called Ned Sharon to be the narrator, interpreter, speaker, reciter, whatever the fuck he's called. And they do a small run uh, in a small theater. And then who gets involved? Cameron McIntosh. I like to think that I have a audience of uh non-musical theater lovers uh at least i mean if i had any musical theater lovers in the audience hopefully they've been offended and scared off but um for those of you who don't know musical theater big wigs <laughs> cameron mcintosh is like the biggest producer of all time of uh musicals uh, he's, a, he's a british uh this is like one of his first things uh putting up side by side by sondheim he goes on to ruin broadway after this with shows like cats Les Mis, uh, etc., check out a little concert film called Hey, Mr. Producer, which is basically like one of these where they just do a little... But it's like a big extravaganza. And there's this horrific uh, thing where Sondheim and Lloyd Webber are involved and they do a dueling pianos thing. And it's kind of depressing because it's like they, they, they rewrite the words to send in the clowns and memory. Uh, and they sing each other's songs, but they're doing it to talk about Cameron McIntosh and like make jokes about how rich he is. And it's like, oh, come on. That's a shame. So um, after Cameron Macintosh, it, it's a hit. Uh, Sondheim also gets involved. Uh, Prince agrees to do it on Broadway, have it moved to Broadway, but he has to convince actors' equity to allow the Brits to come and do it. And he says it's important to do this because the point of the show is that it's American material viewed by another society which is a weird, I I. I mean, uh, a little bit, I guess, not really, I don't see what's so fucking British about it, I mean, we weren't British when we did it, well, maybe that's why we weren't as good as they were, fuck, I don't know. Now, this Clive Barnes that we've talked about a few times, uh, that you know, I, a longtime theater critic of the New York Times, has a lot of shitty things to say about the more daring <laughs> milestones of Sondheim's career. Talked mad shit about company, talked mad shit about all of those. But then uh, a little night music comes along and he's like, oh, it's a, it's a fine, it's a champagne. <laughs> Clive Burns is equally tickled by Side by Side by by Sondheim. His review said, quote, Here is a tiny, multifaceted gem that lights up Broadway. It is Stephen Sondheim revealed as Stephen Sondheim has never been revealed before. This is a dream of a show. Happy, funny, witty, and so compassionate. It makes you feel good. Turn cartwheels to the box office for this British celebration of a rare American. Idiot. He's British, by the way, Clive Barnes. Uh, sorry for not doing an accent, but that's, you know, there you go. He's done. Here's a fun fact. Uh, this has been redone a few times, side by side by side time. And uh, Cyril Richard did it in 1977. Um, now, if you don't know who that is, surely you've seen Mary Martin, Peter Pan, everybody. Right? Anyone? I got a crow. Anyway, Cyril Richard played Captain Hook. Who's the creepiest creep in the world? Captain Hook. Captain Hook. Uh, I was uh, obsessed with that fucking thing when I was a kid. I saw it a million times and memorized it. Anyway, Cyril Richard, he died on stage during Side by Side by Sondheim in 1977 in Chicago. Or rather, he died in the hospital later, but he collapsed from a heart attack on stage doing this fucking show. What do you think of that? I agree. So anyway, as promised, let's go side uh, song by song, song by song, by side by side by side by Sondheim. By side. So here is the first stupid choice that they make. Keep in mind, this is a concert of Sondheim songs, m- not all of which are you know light and fun and a good time. You know, some of them are heavy, some of them are heady. So of course, they open the show with a little song called Comedy Tonight. So stupid. Now, the whole point of Comedy Tonight, as we learned, everybody, in the Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum episode, my episode with the least downloads, uh, by the way, so maybe nobody learned this, so let me (laughs) catch you up. Um, Comedy Tonight, the whole point of that is setting the tone for that show, and, and that show is nothing but laughs. There is no uh, serious moment in that show. And they say as much in the lyrics of Comedy Tonight. You know, um, nothing that's grim, nothing that's Greek. You know, tragedy tomorrow, Comedy Tonight. It's, it's, It's a fucking lie. Anyway, and then they do a little clip from Love is in the Air, which was the early version of the Comedy Tonight. So yeah, um... Then they move on to If Mama Was Married, which is weird. That's from Gypsy. Um, Sondheim only wrote the lyrics, of course. Uh, if Mama Was Married is a great song. It, it may even be like one of my favorites from Gypsy, but it's not great because of the contributions of the lyricist. Like It's uh, great because of those harmonies and uh, the, the bang, boom, pow, punch of it. <laughs> so anyway, off to a shaky start with the first two songs. Now we're going to do uh, You Must Meet My Wife. From A Little Night Music, a droll, uh, little, ha-ha, Cole Porter-ish um, song, duet uh, between Desiree and Frederick from A Little Night Music. Interestingly enough, um, when I did this show at an undisclosed theater in 2018, uh, this song was cut uh, during rehearsals because the show was running long. Uh, this one got cut. I think *If Mama got, Was Married got cut, too, and then, like, one more. Um... And I think it was probably just because I was not doing a very good job, honestly, with the Frederick stuff. Um, And, uh, you know, I I probably wasn't. But it's also, this one kind of sucks to do in a bottle because the characters have not been established. Um, And you are, why is this woman getting so angry when he says that his wife is still a virgin? Uh, It's a little bit strange. Then we go on to the little things you do together. Uh, Which, that works as a standalone. But uh, on the album of the original one on this, they're they're doing weird New York accents, these Brits. They're going like, little things you do together, do together, do together. And it's uh, a little bit off-putting. Then we're going on to Getting Married Today, which is probably the number one PR flagship uh, Sondheim song. If you want to show anyone how good he is, it's like, hey, look, see, it's about a lady uh, that's nervous about getting married. And that's uh, present in the music and the lyrics and the whole vibe. Uh, and that'll work with the proper setup if you tell everyone what's going on. Um, honestly, the Jenny and Paul stuff uh, is long and boring. Like the uh, the fact that it's front-loaded with Jenny and Paul, um, out of context will be, you know, it, ta- it takes a while to get to the meat of that song, right? Am I right about that? Because then it's just, you know, today is for Amy. Who cares? Then after that, um, after you've brought the house down with Getting Married Today and everyone was rolling in the aisles, Uh, now we have to see Chris suffer through (laughs) I Remember from Evening Primrose. (laughs) Which, you know, out of context, uh, out of the context of Evening Primrose, it really just sounds like poetry. Like it's just an I Remember Sky. Blah, 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 blah. We didn't talk about Evening Primrose. So Evening Primrose was a TV musical, uh, like a one-hour musical on TV written by Sondheim and starring Anthony Perkins, Norman Bates from Psycho. Uh, I'm going to put in a spoiler here, everybody. If you have not seen Evening Primrose, you definitely, and if you plan to see it, do not listen to the next 10 to 30 seconds. Evening Primrose is about a guy who wants to hide from society, and so he goes to hide out in a department store. And he's going to like hide during the day while the customers are there, and then during at the night he's just going to have... Uh, run of the department store and like play all the pianos and fuck around with all the shoes (laughs) and um when he gets there he realizes there's this secret society of people that are already doing that but they're like weird and sort of uh oppressive and then there's a lady there that like has never seen the outside and she sings i remember sky now here's the spoiler they're going to escape take me to the world we're going to escape uh and then the last shot uh is uh, during the song is of two mannequins and we realize this whole musical has been mannequins talking to each other about escaping and they can't you know why because they're mannequins it's pretty good um if you can find me i'm here is a great song from that it is not in uh side by side by by Sondheim. um i never got this song right i remember it's a beautiful song it's very understated my bread and butter is kind of songs uh that go crash boom bang and uh punch kaboom ouch <laughs> uh i like i'm i i can i tend to be very big and it's like hard for me to bring things down and this song is very very sedate and i never quite got it right and it was uh very demoralizing because the director kept giving me notes and then like uh, giving me other notes and then eventually he was like yeah hey, right, never mind <laughs> he like gave up on it he like gave up on me uh doing better So anyway, then we go on to Can That Boy Foxtrot. Now, here's the thing, guys. Can That Boy Foxtrot is cut from Follies. It was replaced with I'm Still Here. Sondheim doesn't like this song, and he has told us this over and over again. It's a one-joke song oh he's dumb he's got greasy hair i don't really like the how he rude he is but oh can that boy trot get it <laughs> so it does that joke one time and then it does it repeats it over and over again and it's not funny anymore and uh you know he didn't cut it because of context reasons or length reasons he cut it because he wasn't good so why are you putting in the anthology show you dullards Then we have a little company section, and they start with the uh, phone rings, door chimes, incomes, company. Good time. Um, Then we go into another hundred people, which is a banger, and that stands alone just fine. A spotlight song. I just learned that term today, by the way, Googling things. Spotlight song. I may be misusing it. (laughs) But it's a song that one could use in a cabaret, and you don't need to start it by saying... This is Marta. She is dating Bobby and she lives in New York City and enjoys living there and uh, is commenting on the fact that there are many people coming off of the train. Then we go into Barcelona. Uh, Also cut from ours for time Uh, and maybe just my self-hating tendency. I figured it was my fault. Uh, Barcelona, great song. Great uh, scene within a song. Uh, Confusing if you don't know that she's a flight attendant. Can we agree on that? Why the fuck is she going to Barcelona? I mean, people go to Barcelona, but, you know. She's also supposed to be this sort of dim-witted, airheaded person. Um, and it's like, oh, well, why is this airhead going to Barcelona? Maybe because she's a flight attendant. Uh, is that sexist? Whatever. Then comes Marry Me a Little, Chris's claim to fame. Saying this in both shows, side by end, putting it... <laughs> You know what's funny about doing Marry Me a Little is um Marry Me a Little is a lie. Like it's an impossible utopian idea of what marriage is or should be or could be. And somebody just singing Marry Me a Little that we don't have established as Robert, this person that's like lying to himself and having trouble uh, uh, conceiving of a settled down version of himself, it comes off a little selfish. You know, uh, it's and maybe asking too much. So, I don't know. It's still good. I mean, you can see the if you want to be like, oh, is Sondheim a good songwriter? And then you hear Marry Me a Little, you're like, yeah, he is. <laughs> but uh, anyway. Then we have a song called I Never Do Anything Twice. Um, And maybe this is just because of the blocking of our show. I had to sit on a block uh, in darkness and stare at the person singing this in a spotlight. But to me, this song is endless. This is a long song. It's kind of a repackaging of liaisons from A Little Night Music, but a little naughtier, a little bit naughty, naughty. It's about uh, fucking. But it's also about, it's like about uh, very uh, highfalutin fucking. <laughs> and it's from a film called The 7% Solution, It's a, which is a Sherlock Holmes film starring Laurence Olivier and Robert Duvall and Alan Arkin, who plays Freud in it. Never seen it, full disclosure, but uh, that song is in that movie. Then it goes on to Beautiful Girls from Follies, gross. I have an issue with any song that's like about how beautiful a girl is, Uh, which, you know, Pretty Women, you know, comes up as well, and it's like, I get that it's pastiche, and the whole point is it's a Follies sequence, but yeah, out of context, it's weird. Especially when you have me singing it, uh, I didn't sing it like that. Then we have A Paris, pastiche again, someone doing a French thing with a uh ha 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 And then we got, uh, Buddy's Blues. Sometimes that's called Buddy's Blues. Sometimes, called Blues, sometimes it's called the God Why Don't You Love Me Blues, sometimes it's called the God Why Don't You Love Me Oh You Do I'll See You Later Blues. That song is great, it stands alone. Of course you gotta lop off the verses with the Margie and the Sally, which uh they do in Side by Side by Soundtime. So well done, British people, David Kernan. Then we got uh we uh we also have Broadway Baby. That's cute, right? Needs to be an old lady to be you know, extra cute. And then, you know, we have the reference to Ziegfeld and Weissman working for a nice man like a Ziegfeld or a Weissman which is a very specific thing where it's like okay we're dealing with uh follies here and who hey, you know don't do this in your um cabaret in 2023 please nobody knows who the fuck Ziegfeld is or was and there's no such person as Weissman I don't think I don't think Jesus no I don't think Mm, okay, now here we get into some real trouble You could drive a person crazy Ugh. So first of all, pastiche again And, uh, you know, in the company episode I it's Yeah, it's a well-made song with the do do to dos and that's great uh, But you know, it's, I'm less interested in Sondheim doing a little Andrew Sisters thing not uh, Than I am to him just writing a song that's uh, driven by character and by whatever They make this even worse by... Um, you know, it's two girls and a guy, but by having the guy be girly with the girls, and uh, you know, ha ha, you know, the way, whatever. So there you go. You could drive a person crazy. And uh, the, that's the that's the big uh, number before intermission. That's the act one finale. Oh, am I going fast enough? Uh, we're uh, thirty seven minutes. Is this uh, tiresome? I'm gonna keep in, keep on going as though it isn't tiresome. So everybody's going to go to the lobby. They're going to get themselves a nice Pellegrino, maybe uh, a pastry if one of those are available. We're opening the second act with a song called Everybody Says Don't, which is a very good song. It's from Anyone Can Whistle, not Anything Goes. Jesus Christ, don't call anything can whistle. Anything goes. Anyone can whistle. Oh, fuck. So the funny thing about this song is um, I first heard it uh, in my... The car, my family car, as a child, my mother uh, playing Barbra Streisand's "Back to Broadway" album, and so I heard her version before I heard the original, and so her version, you know, I'm not a Streisand head or anything. I'm not like really into Barbra Streisand, but uh, she uh, gave that song a little panache and oomph that it doesn't really have in the original cast recording, and or really in any other version that I've uh, that I personally have heard since. And uh, Anyone Can Whistle does not get done very often. Um, speaking of Anyone Can Whistle, the next song after this is Anyone Can Whistle, the title song from that show. And guess who sings that? Man. Guess who played Man? I did. Um, you know what's funny is I never really got this song pre- uh, prior to doing it. Like, it, it never really spoke to me. It's just like, okay, yeah, Anyone Can Whistle. That's what they say. Easy. Somebody having trouble uh, breaking free and uh, whistling. <laughs> um. And I, I guess I still don't love it that much, but like I, I, I feel like this was uh, my big moment in the show somehow. I mean, I got a lot of uh, good little of accolades for it. Here, check this out. I should tell you this. Uh, Side by Side by Sondheim, specifically my Side by Side by, Side by Sondheim uh, in 2018 that I was in, was seen by Julia Louis-Dreyfus from Veep and Seinfeld and so on. She uh, apparently went to college with the guy that was our narrator, presenter, and she wrote a nice little card to the cast afterward, and uh, it said, uh, anyone can whistle, just slayed her. And uh, so there you go. I got a copy of that card there, ladies and gentlemen. There's a very vulnerable falsetto at the end of that uh, that I think is only in the side by version that David Kernan did, and therefore I did, and I think it's written that way in the score. It's like, maybe you could whistle, whistle. (laughs) Over me. <laughs> it's so much better when I'm uh, in it. Don't uh, judge it on uh, what you just heard, please. Then we do send in the clowns because we got to throw some pablum and corn slurry to the fucking idiots. I'm just kidding. I like it. Um, I, 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 and I, um... When we were doing the show, I, this was another case of where I had to sit on stage in darkness and watch a person sing this. And I remember thinking, like, I, I, I the simplicity of this song is very satisfying. Then we get into, here's one of the highlights. Um, we're going to be all right, which is from Do I Hear a Waltz? Music by Richard Rodgers, lyrics by Stephen Sondheim. Um, now... This is the original version of We're Gonna Be All Right. It was rewritten for the show. Um, and we're in familiar territory here, right? So sometimes talking about uh, an ostensibly happily married couple with uh, some uh, dark underbelly to their marriage, and maybe there's cheating, and maybe there's violence, and maybe there's drinking. You know, that he he's t- told that story quite a bit. Or he will tell that story quite a bit uh, after Do I Hear a Waltz. Um, His original lyric, which is the one they do in this, um, has a couple, as a reference or two to homosexuality. Uh, He's slightly homosexual. (laughs) Right there, that's pretty explicit. Uh, And uh, Richard Rogers, the xenophobic prick (laughs) that wrote the carousel waltz, uh, yelled at him and said, This is fucking trash for the homos and the ladies. Fucking rewrite this, you idiot. And so then he wrote like a, a, a less racy version. But uh, the original version is in this. And it's pretty good. Pretty good. If there's any reason at all to listen to the Side by Side by Sondheim soundtrack, it's to hear We're Gonna Be Alright. Check it out, folks. It's a good one. Oh, boy. Then we... (laughs) After this, we do A Boy Like That and I Have a Love from West Side Story. Do we get two latina ladies on stage for this no we do not we have the two white ladies we've seen all evening um do um puerto rican accents and the women that I was in the show with at least one of them like had reservations about this <laughs> and I was like uh should i i don't know like should i be doing this i don't think i should be doing this <laughs> and the director was like yeah do it it's fine you know come on he's a little more old fashioned whatever who gives a shit um oh you know what i lied this is actually if you're going to listen to anything from the soundtrack listen to the boy from dot 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 delightful absolutely delightful the boy from now it's i think it's the only source for this song because this was from a weird little thing called the mad show just like mad magazine but it's a show it's the musical of mad magazine uh, off Broadway, certainly, uh, years and years and years ago, I want to say in the '60s. And, um, and Sondheim wrote this with uh, Mary Rogers. and it's the Boy from is like a parody of the Girl from Ipanema. It has that vibe, and it's it's very funny. It's very funny. Is it problematic? I don't know. There's like a, also an accent in this one. Uh, he wrote uh, St- Sondheim wrote this song under the pseudonym Esteban Rio Nito. <laughs> which is a uh, literal translation of his name, because, you know, Stephen River Nest. Uh, apparently Sondheim means uh, River Nest. Stephen River Nest. Esteban Rio Nido. Linda Lavin saying this on Broadway, or off-Broadway, pardon me, The Mad Show. There you go. Then, since it's 1976, uh, they offer a little sneak preview of a song from an upcoming Sondheim show called Pacific Overtures. This song is called Pretty Lady. Uh, One of the few standalones that work from the show. But it's also weird to pick the one British-sounding song. (laughs) You weird Brits. Because it's very meta. We did not have a Pacific Overtures episode, but just to briefly fill you in, Pacific Overtures is a show that Sondheim wrote uh, pretending, trying to see what it would be like if somebody came from Japan and wrote a musical with Japanese scale uh, about the start of trade in Japan in the 19th century. Uh, But it's a kabuki play, and it's a song. It's a a, a hybrid of kabuki and musical theater, and it has an all-Japanese cast, all-Japanese man cast, I think. I think some women come in eventually, but it's mostly Japanese men. And so even when there are women or there are uh, non-Japanese characters, like Americans, British, uh, Russians... Uh, they're played by Japanese men, all Japanese cast. And so it's very meta to the like, okay, this is the British seen through the eyes of the Japanese, seen through the eyes of Sondheim and American, but then performed by the British. Very fucking confusing. If you want to hear a better version of pretty lady check out mandy patinkin's self-titled album mandy patinkin it's on there and that is probably one of the the best of his uh solo albums mandy patinkin his first one it's just called mandy patinkin check it out spotify apple music you're gonna hear the travel and the world today is plain to see is coffee in a cardboard cup you're gonna see hear him scream his way through the ending of brother can you spare a dime you're going to hear him do Sonny Boy a cappella uh, in a visceral, frightening way. It's a great album. Check it out. Um, Here's where we get to the blow point of the show. You got to get a gimmick from Gypsy. Again, pointless because it's lyrics only. Um, I think the makers of the show think that he's a better lyricist than he is musician. I think that maybe David Kernan might have thought that because it's why would you include this the lyrics are fine but the way that they did it and the way that we did it is that uh you got to get a gimmick is three strippers in the burlesque circuit singing about how you got to get a gimmick to be a stripper and once again folks we've got two girls and one guy so what's the solution to this for a three lady song you got to put that guy in drag so i came out dressed in drag I was uh, the uh, balletic one. The, the if you want to grind it, wait till you've refined it. And it was one of those things where like the whole joke was that I was in drag, and it was just like easy and stupid. And it it should it's 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 pretty fucking stale. And in fact, the, when they when it came out on Broadway, Howard Kissell in um, Women's Wear Daily. Uh, He said, David Kernan does several songs expressly written for women, accompanied by subtle, albeit fey, gestures. The first time it works, then it wears. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, And the same went for us. And, again, I maybe was not that good at it. And maybe someone else could have been better at it. And maybe it would have even been less offensive if somebody gay had given it a shot uh, rather than me. Uh, I'm not gay, by the way, folks. Is that a surprise? I've alluded to A Girlfriend a few times here. Um, Losing My Mind is a spotlight song. (laughs) Actually, really great performance from Julia McKenzie on the album here. Uh, One of my favorite versions of the song, especially when she hits that second release key change. Uh, This is one of the few good cabaret songs, but only because it's supposed to be a cabaret song for the purpose of the fucking story in Follies. Then we do Could I Leave You, you know, funny, good song for the wine moms. <laughs> and um, they have a man do it. David Kernan did it, which is weird. Um, it's a, And it changes the song to a homosexual song. Fine. But, um, you know, it sits very low in the register, or the way that it's uh, transposed. And... Um, the song, I feel like, really is specifically meant to be like an old-fashioned upper-middle-class housewife woe. Um, You know, she has to give dinners for 10 elderly men from the U.N. Um, it's hard to imagine, like, in those days, you could be a happily married gay couple and have 10 elderly men from the U.N. over. And have the the, the gay husband have to cook them dinner and have nobody have a problem with that. Listen, I don't have a problem with it. I'm just saying the people in those days. Scene within a song. um, And there's a sense of resentment in that song that you lose when it isn't a woman. You know, or at least, and you lose when you don't provide like a bit of context. Whatever. Then we have I'm Still Here. you know, I think I want to like I'm Still Here more than I do. I know that a lot of people is their favorite, uh, you know, in their top five. My mom really liked this song. People love to rewrite the lyrics to this song to, like, be like, you know, oh, all, everything we went through during COVID, but I'm still here. <laughs> uh, please don't do that. Let's just come on. And then, oh, Jesus Christ. We're getting to the end of Side by Side. I promise. Uh, but there's something called the conversation piece. Oh, God, can somebody explain this fucking thing to me? I don't understand. I didn't understand at the time. I don't understand now. It's really stupid. It's a mashup of sorts. It's a medley. It's a super medley of 27 songs for no reason. And it's not funny or cute. I guess someone thought it was like a feat to put all these songs together and transition them in and out from each other. But, like, it's the end of the night. We all want to go home. Don't sing 27 songs. Cut this fucking thing. Or don't do Side by Side by Sondheim. And then the final song, of course, is Side by Side by Side. Uh, Okay, because they just wanted to throw in the title of the show. Because they do Side by Side by Side by Sondheim and Curtain. That was my line, by the way. So, in summation, Side by Side by sometimes sucks. The whole thing is just too cute. You know, it, all the songs lose all the storytelling weight because they've got the cutes. Eh, they're being real cute and they're putting on funny hats and glasses and running around and doing shit. But um, you know what really sucks is putting it together. Here we go folks, we're going to transition into talking about putting it together show from the early 90s i saw a production of it with my dad before i was uh, really into sondheim canon i was uh, i only knew into the woods but i had that book this book uh, the coffee table book from the library called sondheim by martin Gottfried, full of pictures that could arouse a young man <laughs> and uh maybe get him interested in musicals Cameron McIntosh, the millionaire at this point, uh, he wants Sondheim to do a sequel to Side by Side by Sondheim with the newer songs. Sondheim's like, fuck, really? Fine. All right, you're very rich. Um, He asked Julia McKenzie to help him with this. uh, Julia McKenzie from the Side by Days. Here's uh, Sondheim's quote about this that is really well put and, uh, you know, it says a lot. What we came up with was a pleasant but awkward review titled Putting It Together, which made the mistake of trying to shoehorn songs of different styles and tone into a storyline. It was an effortful evening, but it had its compensations. Chief among them, the return to Broadway of Julie Andrews and a cast of five. That's right. Julie Andrews is the star of this thing, folks. She hadn't been on Broadway in a while. And here she comes. Who else is in it? Well, I'll tell you. Christopher Durang, the playwright and sometimes actor. He wrote uh, Sister Mary Ignatius Explains It All to You. He wrote Laughing Wild. He wrote uh, A Stye of the Eye, the parody of uh, Lie of the Mind. Really funny. Really funny stuff. (laughs) What else did he write? He did a lot of them. Uh, Christopher Durang's plays are very funny. At least they were. Maybe they're not anymore. Do they hold up? I don't know. Is Is he alive? What the fuck happened to Christopher Durang? then we uh, get rachel york she was in it michael rupert they're the uh, ingenues there and then the fifth person in the show get ready for this folks strap it down stephen collins whoops who's stephen collins i'll tell you he's the dad from seventh heaven who has recently been exposed as a child molester I uh, remembered that happening. I remember there was like a. My little sister was really into Seventh Heaven. (laughs) I saw a lot of episodes of it because she was watching it. Um, But uh, yeah, the dad from Seventh Heaven—he has a little musical theater background. Um, I remember a few years ago when he got caught in that because a tape leaked of him and his wife in couples therapy, and him like admitting it in couples therapy. And I was wondering, like, is he in jail? Because that was the last I heard of that, and uh, upon looking it up, he did not get prosecuted. Stephen Collins, dad from 7th Heaven, uh, currently lives in Iowa, uh, married to a superfan, 40 years his junior. He's uh, in his early 70s, and she's in her uh, early 30s. All right. Fuck. For, and... Um, <laughs> I found there's a great TikTok uh, channel. Do you call it a channel? Anyway, there's a TikTok account that uh, does like recaps of 7th Heaven. Like the funnier, like more uh, weird, uh, not aging well, 7th Heaven (laughs) episodes uh, that I would highly recommend. And I I, uh, wish I knew this person's name or their TikTok handle or whatever the fuck you call it. But uh, anyway, it makes me laugh every time I see it. Putting it together. So we're going to take all these songs and we're going to put them in a uh, party in a penthouse. It's a party thrown by an older couple. Uh, They're wealthy. Now, for some reason, this party, there's only one guest. And it's this young man. And I guess he, like, works with the fucking older man or he's, like, an underling of him. And then there's a sexy maid with a heart of gold. And then there's an uninvited weirdo played by Christopher Durang. Just a guy that's, like, our narrator and observer for the evening, but then it's like later we find out he wasn't invited. You'd think you would realize that when you only have one guest. Or I don't know if they're in like the special room and they have other guests in another room, but I don't know. It's a weird party. Gets even weirder in the second act. They, uh, you know, there, there's all these love triangles and cheatings happening among these fucking five people. And then they decide to play these parlor games with writing questions on a sheet and or on little pieces of paper and putting them in a hat. And then they change the lyrics to some songs to set that up. Where like the guy, the uninvited guy takes all of the questions and ro- uh, mixes them up and says, Oh, no, you, you thought you were writing these to a specific people, but now they're just going to be r- uh, given randomly. And it's like, I trust your questions were unrepressed. Hey, what the hell? How can we tell who knows what's where? It doesn't matter to whom they're addressed. Wait, hold the phone. Hey, if I'd known, stop. That's not fair. (laughs) What's even better? I hope you'll note. You may end up with the question you wrote. Does that melody sound familiar, folks? On the count of three, let's all say, what song is that with the lyrics rewritten? One, two, three. Wrong. It's A Little Priest from Sweeney Todd so uh they do a little bit of that and then and then the whole second act is about uh they oh why aren't you married and then they sing a fucking song from company about marriage basically it's very stupid <laughs> um there's a second version of this they revamped it in 1999 made it only marginally better they got rid of all that shit with the party games and the everything they did make it about five people that are sort of at a party this is the version that i did in 2014. I saw it at the Mark Taper Forum in 1999. That's where it started before it moved to Broadway. Starring Carol Burnett, George Hearn, Bronson Pinchot. Bronson Pinchot? Pinko Pincot. How the fuck do you say his name? Oh, the Perfect Strangers guy. And um, the guy from True Romance. Uh, Ruthie Henschel and John Barrowman. Broadway royalty there, these five people. So yeah, briefly, the one that I did was at a teeny tiny theater in West L.A. It was my first show in years. I really wanted to do something. Uh, there was a very heated rehearsal process. The cast and the, you know, there, there was a lot of egos, uh, fits and fights and feuds and egos, uh, mostly between the leading lady and the musical director. The musical director quit in the middle of the run. Uh, And they brought in another person to uh, play the piano. It was only piano accompaniment, and they had to bring in this other person, who was super nice, this British woman that took his place. And he was fine, too. Like, it was all stupid. It was was all a mess. Um, I also got up on my hind legs and fought with the director about Marry Me a Little because she was blocking me to do it, um, proposing to um, the lady. I was the male ingenue. Man, too. And even though I'm an actor and it's none of my fucking business, I decided to make uh, an issue of this because I thought it was stupid. Uh, because Marry Me a Little is actually a uh, soliloquy of self-doubt, not somebody proposing to somebody else. This director thought it was. Uh, but she, I had—I got my way. The squeaky wheel got the grease there. Later on, by the way, uh, right before we opened, the director sent me a series of emails, uh, At first telling me to, uh, how to have a stronger stance, and then later telling me to uh, try to lose uh, five to ten pounds and uh, I wrote her a scathing reply <laughs> I was like, I'm the same weight I was when you hired me for this And she was like, oh, fine, sorry, you know, yeah, fine, don't lose any weight, fine um, So yeah, let's go song by song through putting it together Is this really boring? I apologize um, It's the bonus episode, right? Like, you, you know, you're under no obligation to listen to this um, Let me just get this off my fucking chest, fuck you I'm going to skip the ones that um, are doubles, the ones that end up, that are in both shows. Uh, there's a few of those, of course. Um, it starts with, okay, um, invocation and instructions to the audience. This is a funny little song. Uh, and it was rewritten. It's originally from the Frogs, but they rewrote it uh, to be relevant to this review. Please don't cough. It tends to throw the actors off. Um, you know, and it's, it's just a bunch of, it's a list of rules for how to be in the audience for the show. My only, um, gripe with this song is that, uh, it uses the word fart and I don't love that. I, that word, uh, I don't like that word. (laughs) I, I've never have, um, ever, uh, even as a uh, uh, child, (laughs) the concept, the word, any discussion of it. So I'm going to stop talking about it now. Then we roll into the title song, putting it together with brand new lyrics. Uh, Because, of course, the original song, Putting It Together, was written about uh, the art of making art, visual art, that is. And then uh, he rewrote it for Barbra Streisand uh, to make it about making an album and making music on an album. Uh, Every time I start to feel defensive, I remember vinyl is expensive. So he rewrote this to make it about theater. And some of them are interesting, uh, trying to lay out the exposition, but without exposing it as such. I like that. That's a good uh, good uh, tip <laughs> for storytelling. I, I, I feel as I'm doing this that this is the worst episode of this podcast ever, and I feel like bailing on it, but um, it's also the last. So let me just fucking get this off. Uh, let me just rattle the rest of this off. Oh, my God, and we're at one hour. All right, so um, then we go into rich and happy. All right, that's good. You know, you, We don't get to hear that because they cut it from newer versions of Merrily We Roll Along. It's a good song, so fine. We're going to do Rich and Happy. So far, so good, folks. Uh, no problem. And then we have a little Merrily We Roll Along sections. And by the way, I'm going through the songs, by the way, in the original version, the jukeboxy one. Then uh, the maid, the sexy maid with the heart of gold, uh, who's flirting with the young man. She sings lovely. Here's the first sign of trouble. We later learn that this character, this maid is not dumb like the person singing in this song. Oh, is it, oh, isn't it a shame I can neither sew nor cook nor read or write my name, but I'm happy merely being lovely. You know, uh it's chauvinistic as fuck just like everybody ought to have a maid, which is the next song. But what's stupidest about it is yeah, it's uh it, 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 it this jukebox uh, cobbled together story doesn't make sense. Just like any jukebox musical doesn't make sense usually um yeah everybody ought to have a maid it's stupid i mean it only works if you're in ancient rome and it's the juxtaposition of that and the vaudevillianness of it the fact that it's two guys in a cocktail party singing it just makes you hate them because they're assholes um so that's a shame (laughs) Then we get into Sooner or Later, which is from the film Dick Tracy. Has anyone seen Dick Tracy? Sondheim did a whole fucking uh, string of songs for that film, all of which are great songs. This one is no exception. Originally sung by Madonna playing Breathless Mahoney in Dick Tracy. But in this case, it's just uh, the, that maid, uh, sexy maid, uh, trying to be sexy and seduce uh, the young man. Sooner or later, you're gonna be mine. Then they take I'm Calm and Impossible from A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. There's actually a lot of things from A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum uh, in the first part of this. Then we get into this dumb little uh, (laughs) uh, song's uh, Ah But Underneath, which was an addition to Follies in London, and again, it's a droll little, hmm, Cole Porter, yes. In the depths of her interior, are fears that she's inferior and in something even eerier, though no one dares to query her superior exterior. If it's so dumb, why do I have it memorized? Because I am dumb. Then we get into Hello, Little Girl from Into the Woods. Fucking stupid. Sucks. Come on. What are you doing? So it's the old rich guy flirting with the maid, and it's fucking creepy. Hello, little girl. Fuck you. Then, uh, I don't know why I became a Bostonian there. <laughs> um, then we get into My Husband the Pig and Every Day a Little Death. So My Husband the Pig was cut from A Little Night Music. It's a nice little song, but it does pretty much the same thing that Every Day a Little Death does. But they have a little mashup here. The older woman does both of these, and then the young woman joins to do the duet on Every Day a Little Death. And I got no problem with that song being sung because I think that song is beautiful. Uh, the, the melody mixed with the uh, accompaniment, uh, oh, it's great. Then we get into Have I Got a Girl for You from Company. So the old guy sings to the young guy, Have I Got a Girl for You, blah, blah, blah. But then for some stupid reason then the next verse, the young guy sings to the old guy, Have I Got a Girl for You, wait till you meet her. Um why would the young man have a girl for him that's he, he, he's established as married uh, the unless these two guys again are assholes in which case why are we watching oh, like whoa, yeah. let's go home <laughs> um and then they transition into pretty women yeah creepy i got no problem with pretty women being sang when it's a barber and a perverted old bastard judge you know in uh, Victorian England But two guys in uh, tuxedos at a cocktail party singing about pretty women, uh, you know, combing out their hair. Ugh. Then they use Now from A Little Night Music, which again, a song Sondheim doesn't even like, but they use it. Then, uh, okay, and then we sing Bang, which is cut from uh, A Little Night Music. Uh, It's a banger, (laughs) no pun intended. Um... But out of context, okay, so yeah, (laughs) A Little Night Music is uh, Sweden at the turn of the century. And uh, it's a very specific song about like a war guy, a count, uh, Carl Magnus Malcolm, uh, talking about sex in war terms. (laughs) Why would anybody do that unless they were Carl Magnus Malcolm? Why would a young gentleman... At a cocktail party, trying to fuck a maid in 1992, be like: "The war commences. The enemy awaits in quivering expectancy." Filth. Um, then we move on to the gem of the show, folks. "Country House." This is probably the best. This is the best version of this song. It is in the "Sondheim on Adderall" playlist. You're gonna hear Julie Andrews and uh, child molester Stephen Collins sing this song. Um. Yeah, cut from Follies. It's a great song. It's a great duet. It's a little scene, and it's uh, it goes places. I like it. Good job putting it together. Good job not fucking up one thing. But then we have to hear. Goddamn, could I leave you one more time? Whatever. It works fine here because at least it's sung by a woman, <laughs> wealthy, intelligent woman. Uh, torch song. And in fact, we close the first act with this. It's the big uh, crash, boom, bang. Let's go have some intermission and uh, you know go out there maybe get an orangina maybe we'll have uh you know what the hell we, we forgot to eat before the show let's get a uh, panini they are selling paninis <sighs> after intermission we open act two with a song called back in business from dick tracy which is really the only point of it is like the, okay the show started again <laughs> we're back in business And ain't it grand, let the good times roll. Fine, okay, good song, but why? Then, for no reason at all, except uh, to, you know, uh, force an assassin's tune in there, (laughs) we do the gun song. Somebody takes out a gun (laughs) at this party (laughs) where everything was completely normal. (laughs) And they sing about how wonderful guns are. (laughs) And here's where then we get to this stupid question game. The lyrics are changed to certain things. Um, the young, sexy maid is the first one to um, read a question. And I'm not—I don't remember how this works. All of the questions, by the way, th- these are the most boring people in the world. All the other questions are like, "Yeah, why aren't you married? Are you sorry you got married?" Ugh. So, um, anyway, uh, she sings the Miller's son. Miller said is great. It's on the playlist. It's weird with the historicalness. And yeah, I don't know. Also, yeah, like this is the same woman who sang Lovely in the first act. And this song is like uh, so uh, articulately verbose that it's uh, very stupid to do that. And then, okay, we got Live Alone and Like It from Dick Tracy, which is the young man's answer to whatever. Oh, yeah. Why aren't you married? There you go. And, uh, yeah, I used to use that for auditions. It's a good little song. Live alone and like it, free as the birds in the trees, high above the wires. Anyway, uh, then we move on to Sorry Grateful. Somebody says, are you sorry you got married? Those were the two <laughs> examples I gave. Uh, very good song. Weird to sing in front of your wife. Also, and also, like, the old guy in putting it together, I don't like you now. Because you're weird and creepy and you sang Hello Little Girl. And you're not even, you know, Stephen Collins yet in the, what we knew he him to be later, but uh, yeah, fuck you with your sorry grateful. Oh God! And then I don't remember what question the older woman gets, but uh, she's saying Sweet Polly, Plank, "Sweet Polly Plunkett from Sweeney Todd. So stupid to use this. Like the only reason that song exists is because Sondheim wanted to write a little uh, a little folk song. For the fucking beetle to sing on the harmonium. Or is it a harpsichord? Who knows? Um, I am a lass who alas loves a lad who alas has a lass loves another lad who once I had in Canterbury. Tis a row dow, little dowdy. Tis a row dow, little dowdy. Then uh, some real shit happens, some real garbage. Uh, somebody asked the uninvited weirdo. Uh, Why aren't you married, I guess? I don't know. The same thing. Uh, (laughs) And he sings, I could drive a person crazy. As opposed to, you could drive a person crazy. And it's like meant to bring down the house. And when I saw it, this guy zipped all around the room. It sucked. Then the young man says, wait. I want to answer my question again. (laughs) And he sings, marry me a little all right but uh fine but unearned just like you know and then getting married today happens because they're like oh you uh, said uh i wanted you to say what were you thinking on the day you got married not whatever your answer was and so then she sings getting married today again it's robbed of the stakes of that song if it's sung by an older woman that we already know to be married you know her saying i'm not getting married today over and over again it just, it's not, whatever. Then um, there's an arrangement of Being Alive, a five-part harmony sung by the company. And it's okay arrangement, I guess, and it's fine. And they had to get that song in there because it's a hit. Um, then it uh, gets to Like It Was, which is, okay. That's the reason that character is named Charlie, I guess, is because they wanted to use Like It Was. because he na- Yeah, he's listed as Charles or Charlie. And so she's like, Charlie, why can't it be like it was? And then for no reason at all, everyone decides that they're old friends, and we close the show with old friends. (laughs) Hey, old friend, what do you say? Old friend. Okay, we're not old friends, and nothing got resolved at all. Why is this happening? But the audience by now is so fucking bored and demoralized and regretful for buying a ticket that they're just like, okay, great, happy ending, fine, thank you, curtain call, great, great job, everybody. Here. Let's go get some pie. The 1999 revision that I was in had a few editions, uh, Bang turned into a solo where the couple dances, which is the way we did it, which sucked. Uh, I'm not a dancer, and it's weird to have like a sex dance,, uh, whatever. <laughs> but that's what we did. I did a sex dance while uh, man three sang bang. And then, oh, so bad, guys. Oh, my God. Unworthy of Your Love. (laughs) But it's sung as an earnest love song between two ostensibly normal upper-class people. Unworthy of Your Love, If You Have Forgotten, is a song from Assassins, which is sung on one side of the stage by John Hinckley to Jodie Foster, this celebrity that he's obsessed with and ends up trying to kill Ronald Reagan to get her attention. And Squeaky Fromm singing about Charles Manson. And like the lyrics that are not changed in this say, I would come take you from your life. I would come take you from your cell. You would be queen to me, not wife. I would crawl belly deep through hell. No. Those people need fucking therapy. If that's the way they're talking to each other. And and they just met. (laughs) She's in the maid. It's horrible. Then we got "Ladies for uh, the Ladies Who Lunch." Fine, but again, unearned. We didn't have you know Elaine Stritch go through that whole scene and the whole show, and then have this be the eleven o'clock number. Instead, we we're just like we want to give Carol Burnett another big moment, so let's have her sing "Ladies Who Lunch." Fine, whatever. It's not as good, but it's fine. Then uh they they add the road you didn't take, which is a great song. I put it on the playlist. Uh it is best better for the character of uh Ben and Follies, but it's it works well here too. And then they added more from Dick Tracy, which apparently is a really hard song to sing. Fine, you know, a concerty song, whatever. They added there's always a woman. That's a good song. Funny little song. Works well as a standalone except uh at the end when they say police shoot to kill, which is makes it uh Uh, Relevant to Anyone can whistle (laughs) They also added They do Buddy's Blues Instead of I could drive a person crazy Thank you Jesus Christ Um, And then um, Good Thing Going Is in there Standalone song Because it's uh, Meant to be one Show within a show Song Okay So that concludes Our conversation About putting it together Um, Yeah it really sucks Don't ever see Putting it together If it's playing In your town I don't regret doing it because, you know, uh, forget regret or life is yours to miss, baby. <laughs> Let's talk about Six by Sondheim. A HBO documentary that came out and is like uh, 75% really fun to watch and uh, 25% frustrating. The best thing about this is the autobiographical early life stuff comes across I guess it's not all well yeah it's him talking but it's okay biographical whatever fuck you uh you know you see because you see pictures and you hear him tell the story he went to military school Jesus Sondheim went to military school um and boy the mother stuff holy shit and I guess I'll be honest I, uh, you know, when you read biographies, for me, I, te- I, I tend to, like, wish that the childhood stuff would just get skipped over. Because it's like, I don't care where you came from or, you know, uh, that you were excited when the ice cream man came. Like, I want to know about when you did the thing that matters. Um, So I do know that Sondheim's parents were divorced. I do know that Sondheim's mother was, like, a difficult person and that he uh the the hammersteins were surrogate parents to him blah 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 but fuck me running the mom stuff holy shit the, the, his mother did a number on him uh we there's a lot of clips like he did a million interviews apparently uh on little seventies talk shows one thing's interesting uh there's a lot from his um he did inside the actors studio in nineteen ninety four and I went back and watched this in its entirety. And, uh, you know, James Lipton is an idiot. And in the, the Inside the Actors Studio was dumb. <laughs> and uh, it, it actually, like, the fact that it's weird that they had a non actor on, uh, b- but it probably gave them, you know, their most interesting fucking episode, uh, the, or one of them anyway. Um, that and the Dave Chappelle one uh, back in 04, um, 06. But the, the fucked up thing about this is they interspersed this with Liz Calloway and Jim Walton pretty young at the time um, singing excerpts from his work and they do move on at the end. And the anything you do let it come from you give us more to see. They both like lock eyes like they stare at him in his seat and sing this to him and it's like so embarrassing. <laughs> um, If you scene inside the actor's studio by the way and i want to go through this really quick this is not about six by sondheim anymore and i'm gonna get back to it i promise i promise i promise but uh you know james lipton has a little questionnaire a little game and he's like oh sondheim you like games would you like to play a game sondheim really likes games so he asks him these questions and this questionnaire that he asks all of his guests and i'm just gonna give you the answers here just for the fuck of it because uh i was i thought it was fun for me to hear his answers what is your favorite word pioneer Okay. Oh, and then there was an applause break, <laughs> by the way. All of the ass-kissers in the audience at the inside the actor studio were so delighted by Pioneer, uh, Sondheim's favorite word. His least favorite word, he had uh, trouble thinking of one, but he came up with celery. That seems unfair. I like the word celery. It's kind of phonetically satisfying. Um, favorite drug, need not be chemical. And he says, music. Ooh. Uh, also favorite sound or noise uh, The sound or noise you love the most He says also music Okay um, What's your least favorite sound or noise He says uh, anything hitting glass Favorite curse word is uh, fuck It's not very interesting uh, If you couldn't do what you were doing now What would you do Teaching That's nice But we knew that What job would you like to do the least? He said, elevator operator. If you could come back as any plant or animal, what would you come back as? Uh, And he said, uh, standard poodle. So check your poodles, ladies. If you have a poodle that was born in 2021, who uh, shows uh, great uh, capacity for uh, wordplay and uh, counter melodies, you might have a reincarnated Stephen Sondheim on your hands, folks. If heaven exists, what would you want God to say when you're at the pearly gates? And uh, his answer was welcome. And then that got another applause from the ass kissers. And then he said, nice game. I like that. Also some um, clips from his, the He did a thing at the Guildhall School in the early 90s also where he's like, the students are singing like uh, not uh, we sing getting married today and my friends and a few excerpts and he's there at a little podium or not a podium like at away with a music stand on a stool and he's like directing them and uh, teaching them and he's giving them like acting notes and stuff which is interesting because he's not traditionally a director um and boy oh boy like when these people take his notes the smile of approval from steven sondheim is like whoo that must have really been something um, and you know this is the early, this is early '90s salt and pepper Sondheim In all these clips. By the way, this is the version of Sondheim that Bradley Whitford when he plays him in uh God damn '3090. What the fuck is that thing called? Tick tick boom, <laughs> the movie Tick tick boom. I hate Bradley Whitford. Um, I hate the West Wing. Uh, check out the West Wing thing podcast. It is now defunct. But uh, that was a uh, episode by episode uh, hate watch of uh, the West Wing. And uh, Bradley Whitford is apparently, if you look at his Twitter feed, exactly like his uh, character Josh from the West Wing and all of the uh, establishment Democrats that tell people they can't have welfare because uh, they need to be uh, more serious. (laughs) I don't know what the fuck the point of any of that is, West Wing and anything. Anyway, Bradley Whitford plays fucking Sondheim in Tick, Tick, Boom, is my point. And uh, as much as I want to hate him, (laughs) and I do, uh, they really got the look down. (laughs) Like, as soon as you see him, it's like, oh, shit, they really captured early early 90s Sondheim. Let's get back to Six by Sondheim. So what they do is they take six of his songs <laughs> and uh, they go through them. Sondheim talks about them and then there's a performance of them. Now, in some cases, it's just a recording of an earlier performance. For instance, something's coming from West Side Story. We just get Larry Kurt doing this, uh, I think on a little TV broadcast with a makeshift uh, set behind him that kind of looks like West Side Story-ish uh, urban thing. And he talks about it. Same thing with Being Alive. Uh, they just show Dean Jones in the documentary about the making of the original cast recording. He's in a booth singing Being Alive. Now, so that's one, two, three make sure i get the right count here. Oh shit, it's only 5. What am i leaving? Okay, fuck it. So, um unfortunately, 3 of these they film they get these filmmakers to do um a new filmed version of it. So, let's start with on a positive note. Uh opening doors. That's pretty good. That's okay. It's a little too um colorful and glossy, but you get America Ferrera in there doing the Mary stuff. She's do she's great. Uh, I like America America Ferreira I'm not going to lie There's something about her I've always liked her I never watched Ugly Betty But I like her post-Ugly Betty career And uh, that's pretty good Uh, Sondheim is in that one He's playing Joe uh, Joe Josephson In the uh, There's Not a Tune You Can Hum Uh, And and by this point he's ancient This is Sondheim in 2014, I think And uh, he's already got the eye problem Where they're like all squinty shut the whole time And he's a little behind the beat To be honest with you um, so anyway, I found that, I found that kind of depressing. And then, uh, we got, uh, what else do we have here? What else did they do? Oh God. Okay. So they did, um, send in the clowns. Like they start by just showing clips of everybody and their mother doing send in the clowns from Glynis Johns to Judy Collins to Frank Sinatra to all these motherfuckers. They, 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 are they're making the point that this is his biggest hit and that everybody's recorded it. Then they do this fucking weird thing with audra mcdonald and you know god bless audra mcdonald fine she's got a beautiful operatic huge large voice um but i don't love it when she sings sometime because the the words don't really come across this was okay but her accompaniment was like this guitar and it sounded bad but not as bad as i'm still here which was shot by uh god damn it Todd Haynes, and performed by Jarvis Cocker. Gee, oh god. It's it's um it's an, it's insulting and uh I don't know anything about Jarvis Cocker except that I wish him ill due to this performance of I'm still here. I can't be the only one that thinks this. It's it's practically unwatchable. And um did I, how, what number are we on? Fuck, I'm, I didn't write these all out, and so I'm worried that I'm missing it. We did opening doors. Send in the clouds. I'm still here. Being alive. Something's coming. Okay, and then the final one is Sunday, uh, the song that uh, makes me cry and makes Sondheim cry. And guess what? He cries talking about it. He cries talking about the word forever, just like uh, dummy uh, Chris did on Sondheim on Adderall on the Sondheim, uh, Sunday in the Park with George episode. He also cries talking about uh, Hammerstein. Sondheim is an easy crier. This whole documentary is very, um, uh, very moving. I recommend you check this out. It really makes you like him. Um, And like I said, the mom stuff in this is, you know, like towards the end of his mother's life when she was going into the hospital for, uh, you know, very invasive surgery that, you know, was life threatening. She like sent him a note or a telegram that said, um, I only have one regret in life. And that was giving you birth. So, uh yeah, fuck. That's got to be a bad day, getting that telegram. Regardless of uh, the gallows humor of it, trying to laugh it off. I once got an email from my dad uh, saying that he regretted all of the love and money he wasted on me. He was a little sick by then uh, with the medication, though, so I uh, was able to put it in that context. But, uh Jesus fucking Christ. Um, Sondheim's mom was not very nice, as it turns out. So anyhow, what's the point of all this, folks? Why uh, why go through all this? Well, the point is, enough with the Sondheim celebrations. Let's celebrate Sondheim by reviving the shows and just doing them. Let's just do the shows. Let's tell the stories. Let's not cherry-pick the songs and pretend like we did something. Let's not have any concerts... Celebrating his career, let's just do the fucking Sondheim shows. Now, here's the joke of it all. I currently am in possession of tickets (laughs) to something uh, called a Sondheim celebration (laughs) at the Hollywood Bowl this summer. That's right. I'm going to see that. So, yeah, there you go. One more under the belt. Patty Lapone is involved, so is and Faster. I'll let you know how that is, if I ever fucking speak to you again, if we have a season two. And uh that's the end, guys, of this bonus episode. And uh once again that's the end of season one. Thank you so much if you listened to any of this. Honestly. I don't want to be uh, maudlin or sincere here at the end, but if you listened to any of these Podcast episodes of just me uh, talking out of my ass about uh, Sondheim with no credentials or qualifications to do so. I uh, am very grateful and very moved by your patronage of Sondheim. On after all, I can't do this anymore. This concludes our season. Stop listening to my podcast. Move on. If you can't find another podcast, more power to you. I have to move on. See ya.